Hey, EB community. Welcome to the weekly Mia Thrives podcast. I'm Melissa, and my fellow co-host Jill and I are really excited to open up the conversation around the skin disease epidermolysis bullosa, also known as EB for short. So let's discuss what living with EB is all about. We hope you weigh in on our Facebook forum where the conversation continues. Let's talk thriving with EB. Jill and I are really excited that we have our friend Navalette with us. Navalette, how are you? I'm okay, thank you. Thank you for being with us today. We are really excited to continue the conversation that we started uh, a couple weeks ago now about the discussion around EB and the different subtypes. We feel it's important that our community gets a chance to ask each other open questions and just start the dialogue about the differences between the subtypes. So today our discussion here is about um, recessive EB. Jill, do you mind giving us a definition? Absolutely. So this definition comes from Deborah International. Um, Dystrophic EB is characterized by a lack of adhesion of the skin under the basement membrane found between the dermis and epidermis. Approximately 25% of all EB sufferers have dystrophic EB. The dystrophic type might be inherited as a dominant or a recessive trait. The recessive inheritable types, RDEB, may lead to disability and sometimes a reduced life expectancy. However, there are many, many exceptions to this rule. Um, And then it also states in here that in the severe recessive type of dystrophic EB, there is a high chance of developing skin cancer before the age of 35. So uh, that is their definition of RDEB. Uh, yeah. You know, there's languages there that I'm just cringing yeah. about. Yeah, Melissa's not a big fan of a lot of the language in that. Uh, but Navalette, we'd love to hear from you. So um, why don't we start with the definition? What, what? How do you feel about that definition? Um, it's, it's an interesting one. It's, you know, in general, it explains it. My understanding... Um, of recessive dystrophic is that it affects um, basically the, like the third layer of skin. Right. And so that um, you can have wounds akin to third degree burns um, as a result. And it not only affects the skin on the outside of the body, but as well as the inside of the body. So I have stretches in my esophagus, and I have I get corneal abrasions and sores in my mouth from eating and, and so forth. So it can affect you and anywhere there's mucous membranes, essentially, um, with so excessive dystrophic EB, and it it can manifest in ways that are like. Because when um, we our skin blisters and breaks down, it doesn't heal. It, it heals with scar tissue. It doesn't heal with normal skin. So that makes that tissue even easier to break down again and to have reoccurring blisters. So as a result of that, you can have, um, have to wear bandages. Um, some I've known people have to wear bandages from head to toe, literally. 
you know, um, have chronic areas all over their body, torso and back and neck and, 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 and legs and hands and feet and everything. Um, for me specifically, I get reoccurring areas on my uh, appendages predominantly. Um, over time, things have gotten a lot worse. Um, when I was younger, certain areas didn't break down. And now as I've gotten older, more areas are breaking down in different ways than they did in the past. So it, it does, the definition about it getting worse, it does get worse. And I've, and I've experienced that, and uh, I personally have not had cancer yet, and I'm 34. But my particular um, chronic issue is with infections. Um, Infection so is so wanna, challenging, yes. You know, we're one of the things that can be very challenging, as you said. Well, thank you for um, for going so deep with us. I think it's really, um, you know, it's just refreshing that um, you can share such uh, personal information because I think that's really what our community is hoping for, right, is to hear what's really happening to friends in our community and um, – EB can be really, really challenging, and, you know, we never get a break from it, right, Novelette? This is um, a constant, and um, I'm really happy to hear that um, you're 34 and you're beating some of the odds. That's that's really exciting. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's just all so different, isn't it? I guess that's what um, we're coming to understand, is that um, even though so many of us have EB, even within the different subtypes, there are different severities within those subtypes as well. And to just be mindful that um, we're all on the spectrum, but it can affect us Mm -hmm. all very differently. Yeah, that's so true. You know, for some people, that's a like myself. We have our fingers and, and toes. We lose our nails as children. And then over time, because of the scar tissue, our fingers will fuse and our toes fuse together as well. And for me, um, I've had four hand surgeries, um, two on each hand. Um, but for me, they weren't successful. They and weren't. in my 20s, I, I lost my, all my fingers of fused together by my mid-20s. Um, but for some people, um, learning that these things can happen, you know, parents have come up with unique ways of ensuring that their kids will success their, their fingers don't fuse by bandaging their fingers um, in such a way that their fingers don't fuse at all to begin with. And, you know, over time, surgeries have improved. And if you're really good at PT and all that, you know, it can be really successful for people that, so that their fingers doesn't 
abuse. So it, it's different for everybody. Mm-hmm. Are you talking about um, the gloves that... Um those special bandages that are like gloves that allow each finger to be bandaged individually? That's one technique. Um, I'm thinking of something that a parent with a, a child with a stroke came up with, with a way to bandage hands so that it didn't cause any kind of fusing to begin with, which helps and then you know if you're not going to be to begin with then it's easier if you need surgery it's not going to be as expensive if if things start to fuse a little bit it's not as bad to try and um, correct because it can be very painful hand surgeries and very grueling the PT afterwards uh, I had to wear braces uh, like uh, at night, I had to wear a brace, and that was uncomfortable to sleep with. So, but I never kept up with my PT and stuff, so that didn't really help my case. But even though you know my fingers are now fused together, I can still do things. You know, I can still dress myself. Um, and undress myself, I can drive, you know, if I really wanted to, I could learn to cook, I can cook a little bit, but not very much, I'm just not that type of person, but, yeah. I feel that, my friend. Yeah, we're... That it limits you in what you can do, you just have to do it in a different way, figure out a different way to do it. Perhaps that's why some people with EB are so creative because you have to come up with different ways of doing things, you know, like, um, with, uh, like I get my jeans, I, I get Velcros put on them so that it's easy to take on and off. Oh, and I use, like, if I had to pull up a zipper on my, on my jeans, I might use like a pen or something. And, you know, it's funny when I was younger and I had friends with recessive dystrophic um, EB, and we used to talk about those little unique things that we would do to um, do things. You know, it's quite quite interesting, you know. Perhaps that's why some people are really creative. You become amazing problem solvers. That's one thing I've realized in... Uh you know, meeting people and everything. And it's amazing the, what you guys can come up with to, to just like little tips and tricks, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Necessity is Yeah, like a friend of, of mine. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just thinking of that quote, you know, necessity is the creator of, of, um, it's not ingenuity, but of, Novel that will probably know more than I know. So gosh, <laughs> I'm, I'm really blanking there. But you know, just just the idea that um, you can think of a whole bunch of different ways to do something, and um, yeah, it's wonderful. For sure, like a friend of mine used to you to put on her necklaces. She would get like magnets put on so that it would be easier for her to do it by herself. Oh, that's Isn't a really that good idea. brilliant? There should that be a jewelry line like that. Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah, there should be. Yeah. 
There's, there are little unique things like that that you can come up with, you know, to do the same thing. It, it can be interesting. Yeah, um, I'm just writing some of that down, Novelette, because I do think those are some really great tips and tricks. And maybe for this podcast, we can release uh, some of Novelette's tips and tricks. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we can also let Emily know at uh, EB Hacks mm-hmm. for some of these, because these are some great ideas. Well, I know Mia really was talking about earrings the other day. I've never heard her mention that before, but she was talking about earrings. I wonder if they have earrings that would have magnets on them. <laughs> Are you yeah, I don't know. I, I used to have my ears I was pierced, just gonna but my ask. ears came. They, you know, I, they, um, what do you call it, closed back up. So unfortunately, I don't have my ears because I want to get them pierced again. But I used to, but I would usually just get help for that. I, I didn't do that on my own, but... It, might, it would be interesting if there could be something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, I couldn't have my ears pierced, so I have a DDB, and um, my wound never healed. So every day for, I, I tried for over a year, um, it just kept bleeding every day. Like, they just, they never healed. And so it wasn't until I took the earrings out, then a bunch of milia formed there, instead mm-hmm. so um, I just find that absolutely ridiculous I've had so many different surgeries and skin grafts and so and I but earrings were the I, one that <laughs> earrings were the thing that just that just stopped me I, I couldn't beat earrings for whatever reason yeah that's really unfortunate mine never really healed either I think that's one of the reasons why I kind of fused together but they never like bled continuously but just the, I guess the friction of kind of having something in there and like having if you change them or take them out but never it never really healed for me either but I you know it's one of those things I think as women you know no pain no gain kind of thing we do a lot of it look pretty and look nice well, true enough, and, <laughs> and certainly you always look so very well put together yourself. I know. Um, you mentioned something earlier, Navalette, that I'm, that I'm interested in. You were talking about when you were together with a bunch of your friends that have um, RDEB. So um, do you mind sharing with our um, listeners where you were congregating with your friends or how you connected with those friends? Sure, I used to attend a camp for kids with different skin disorders. Um, predominantly, I used to go to Camp Discovery, Camp Little Pine, and Camp Big Trout, they call it now. In Minnesota, um, when I was going, it used to be called Kids Camp and Teen Camp. And I started out at Kids Camp, and then the next year I went to teen camp and um, I had a counselor who had our DED and I had um, I met all my friends in, our, in my group who had our DED and uh, one of us even became 10 pounds before they came to camp so they could 
on the channel what was it going to be like, and um, we got chatting that way, and she's very social and um, involved in the EB community, and I met a lot of different people through her, and she um, invited other people to camp the next year, so I got to meet some new people, and we had a, we had a good-sized group of us, um, let me think. And all seven had all seven of you had R D E B. Yeah, I'm not good at math. It could be more. I'd have to look at a picture or something. But yeah, it was quite a few of us, and we were from all over. I was from Toronto and. They were from different parts in the states, different states, Virginia, Utah, California, um, Cincinnati, all over. So it was nice for that one a week, a year, to have that time where we could come together and and just be ourselves and be free of um, the outside world and just have that camaraderie and that peer mutual support was really key for me um, growing up at that time in my life. And it really helped to shape my confidence in myself. Just watching them live their lives helped encourage me to try new things and and live my life and, and do what others do. Yeah, no, I I think it's um, really exciting that, I think for anybody, right, Jill? You you know, when you feel isolated and alone, it's really challenging to feel um, fulfilled and and good about yourself. And so uh, to be surrounded by so many people who not only had EB, but have the same subtype, Novelette, that must have been really empowering. Yeah, that peer mutual support was very, very, it was very nice, soothing, um, comforting part and time in my life. I really enjoyed getting to spend any time I could with them, whether it was visiting each other or going to EB conferences and different EB events, um, throughout the year, just have an opportunity to spend time together. You know, we try to utilize that as much as possible. So I'm going to ask you uh, something, just keeping in mind Jill's statistics of earlier, the earlier definition of RDEB. Uh, Of those seven or so friends, are you still in touch with all of them? I'm in touch with one of the show just the two of us now out of a group that are, is alive. So we talk to each other from time to time. I'm really sorry um, for your loss, loss novelette, um, but I, I do think it's important when we're talking about RDB that we, we are recognizing um, there is um, a high percentage of... Uh, people passing away earlier on in life, which is 
really challenging. I don't think a lot of people outside our community recognize how seriously life-threatening EB can be. So um, I, I just think it's very important that, that we bring this up. And, uh, you know, we hope at Mia Thrives moving forward, um, when we talk about the different subtypes, that we are talking about all of these subtle differences between the subtypes that are actually huge differences. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And yeah, like to, to, to Jill's definition, um, majority of them passed away because of skin cancer. Um, some of them passed away for other reasons, but majority of them passed away because of skin cancer. And and so young. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, you know, I'm really glad that you bring that up um, because I do think skin cancer is is quite prevalent in the community. And and then you mentioned for yourself also infection being a really huge challenge. So um, maybe we can talk uh, a little bit more about um, about the battle with infection. You mentioned yourself, Novelette, that, um, that you do have uh, some trouble battling infection. I'm wondering, are you given medication? What's the, what's the best way to combat infection for RDEB patients? Um, I don't think there's one set way. There's a, a myriad of ways depending on what your situation is and what um, the type of infection that you're dealing with. Um, It can be anywhere from having oral antibiotics to having IV antibiotics to having um, your wounds being surgically cleaned um, and divided. Um, So there are many different methods and ways to come back and, and try to manage infections or the type of dressings that you use as well is another way. Um, fair enough. Just like with, with anything, um, you know, there, there are so many different um, situations or causes uh, that infection can come up. Um you're mentioning um, the one of the biggest challenges with EB is not only the external skin, but the uh, internal challenges as well. I'm wondering if you can share with Jill and I some of those challenges. You mentioned them in passing earlier. Do you mind if we talk about them a little more in depth? No, I don't mind at all. Um, so I can get corneal abrasions, which the cornea, the skin just comes right off during the night just because it wants to. Nobody has given me an answer to why that happens. But as I said, because when we heal, we heal with scar tissue um, over time because it keeps eroding and, and healing and then damaging again and healing and damaging that can cause scarring in the eye and no kind of glasses or anything can correct 
not. So um, over time, I know all people that have like have diminished eyesight because of that. Um, and some people I knew were going blind because of that. Um, I do have scarring in my eyes, um, but I'm able to see enough that I can do the things I, I want to do, like drive and so forth. But um, it's something that has to be continually monitored. There's nothing that can be done to correct it, but it's, it can be monitored. And the only thing you can really do when you have an eye abrasion is just to keep your eyes closed and to sleep. That's really the only way to oh heal your eyes. Because it can be very, very painful. It's one of the most painful things that I've experienced with having I'm sorry, I'm really ignorant. I had no idea that that was the only combat against it. That is really challenging. Novelette, can I ask how long long would it take? I mean, I know it's not always the exact same, but how long would would it take to heal from that? Like, how long? Um, When I was little, it could take days, um, like, three to seven days or not. Now, usually it can heal in a couple of days, give or take. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes it can heal just in the middle of the night. You get an eye abrasion and then you keep continue sleeping and then you wake up and you're okay. But you'll feel it in the middle of the eye. You'll get a burning sensation and you, your eyes will water and it's very painful. And if you, like, I've had it where, like, I, go to the eye doctor and they can see the skin like flapping around in there so like uh, I've had doctors kind of take the skin off Um, I've had had it where I've worn like eye patches or like um, different things I can't remember but the only one good advice I ever got from a doctor was really to, to keep my eyes closed and to stay asleep. No amount of, like, patches and, like, um, uh, different things like that helped for me personally. But I think I've heard of other people trying different things. Um, but it not, nothing but sleep has worked for me. So it can take uh, between hours to to days, you know, to heal, and I use um, drops in my eyes during the day as well as ointments at night to help to combat against it, and I also have to sleep propped up because I find if I'm laying flat, I usually get eye abrasions always if I do, and I also find if I lay on my side, I get eye abrasion, so I can't lay on my side. I can't have to sleep propped up. Um, and that helps to combat against it, but it doesn't prevent it from happening because it can still happen. Wow. I had no idea. I mean, I've, I've heard about corneal abrasions and I've read about it, um, but I didn't realize, you know, I didn't understand. Yeah, because your eyes, you get like... It's like the worst pain ever, and since you can't keep your eyes open because it hurts so bad, and 
your eyes will water and your nose will run and and your lightning that can affect your eyes. Oh, when I was little, my mom um, met this woman who was like my age when I was like probably like eight or nine, and she found that keeping the room as dark as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, so that you don't wake up to any kind of bright light because that sometimes can trigger your eye to oh a break when you open it. Oh. Um, so over the years, um, I've adopted that technique as well to keep the room as dark as possible so that when I wake up, it's not like jarring or anything. And that does help too. That's one thing. Um, you, you bring up, um, an interesting point. Uh, you're talking about some of the equipment, uh, for an example, maybe being in a bed that can be in an upright position. Um, just kind of, uh, generally, are there specific medical pieces of equipment or, um, you know, certain kind of aids that, a lot of people with RDEB are using to help alleviate some of the pain and challenges? I'm aware specifically it's this matter of being propped up by pillows if that's all you have. Um, I recently acquired one of those beds that are memory foam and that can like be can get it in like a sitting position and you can lift the feet as well so I find that to be comfortable I know a couple of people uh, myself and another person I can think of I had a bed like that I found it beneficial or, or just even got because you can get like memory foam covering just from like Walmart or something that to cover your mattress with like a memory foam um mattress top cover and it's and I used that for years and it was a great thing a friend of mine told me about it and it worked it was very comfortable um just to alleviate any kind of pressure from your wounds that you might have on your bottom or your back yeah exactly something like that so that helps. And it helps for my eye abrasions too, keeping it propped up. It also helps for my for my uh, reflux issues with my esophagus to help being propped up sometimes as well. Oh, of course it would help. Yeah. Um, Novelette, I wanted to ask you um, a couple of things. So I, of course, am a person that does not have EB. And... Uh, because there will be lots of people listening to this who also do not have EB. And um, I just want to know, what are one of the main... So I have two questions. The first one is, um, like, what's one of the main messages that you would want me and other people like me to know about EB in general, I guess, or also RDEB? Like, what are some of the main things you would want me to know? That's a tough one. Um, <laughs> of course it is. It is a tough one. Yeah. I, even though our, our skin might be fragile and like any kind of friction can take the skin right off, um, it, it's still okay to shake hands because I have people that are comfortable just shaking my hand. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it's still okay to shake my hand. It's still okay to, you know, if you ask, it's always good to ask permission to give someone a hug or, um, you know, pat them on the back. But, you know, be just be gentle about it. Mm-hmm. Um, um, understand that, you know, standing might be uncomfortable. And so, like, you know, sitting is just, I find it better, more comfortable. Um, um, so if uh, walking long distances is not my favorite thing because uh, I can get blisters from that. And so um, I used to, when I was younger, I'd walk everywhere. And as I've gotten older, it's, it's more taxing energy-wise. And it's also just... Um, I don't heal like I used to, so it's just easier for me to use a chair whenever I'm going to walk a long distance of any kind. So, like, be mindful that, you know, we might need to sit down or sit somewhere comfortable or, you know, if we have shades on, you know, we're not trying to be rude. It might just be healing from an eye abrasion and... We just need it to be a little bit dimmer so it's more comfortable. Um, I don't know. Just, just, and, and just to know that, you know, despite having AD, it's, we're still individual people, um, at our core and it's good to get to know that individuality and not just, um, stare or, you know, and it, it, if you want to ask questions, that's fine. And, and some people might be comfortable answering. Some people not. Usually people um, ask me a question. I'll answer a specific question. I might not elaborate because unless I find that you really seem interested in learning, I'm not going to waste my breath on it. But yeah. um, if you want to know something, ask. Um, and sometimes eating can be uncomfortable for us. Um, Mm -hmm. sometimes if we're, you know, it can be really sense of social anxiety because of the strictures and esophagus, just going out for a bite to eat can be uncomfortable because you don't want to have an incident in front of somebody where you're choking and people might be afraid of that because like, it's not like when other people choke and they have something lodged in their trachea, it's lodged in their esophagus, so it's a little different. So being mindful that that might happen and it's okay, don't freak out, we'll figure it out and we'll get it out. We might have to be excused to the bathroom or something or need a drink of water, but just be supportive and, and help us stay calm because I find that if I'm anxious when I'm choking, it can be uncomfortable. You know what? That's um, an interesting thing that you just brought that up because this actually happened. I was out with Mia the other day and she does, um, she's had one dilation surgery, but she still does um, have the odd incident. And she, when I first started working with her, she was choking quite a bit and Uh, being new to well Mia and EB and trying to understand I would initially have a panic moment but it was funny even Mia at her age she was calm she was still breathing 
She just needed to figure it out, like you said. And that's exactly, that's such a great way to put it because now if it happens, I, I know to be calm, she'll figure it out. And I have had other people, like if we were out, look over and I think they're surprised that I'm not panicking because right. it's a child who's choking. Yeah. And Mia's so calm. Um, that's a really interesting that you, that you brought it up that way because yeah. that's, that's one thing I have had experience with with Mia and um, that I wish I had known earlier, right? Like, right. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, being anxious really disrupts you because you need to stay calm for yourself. It gets to settle yeah. one way or the other. It's either going to come out yeah. or it's going to go down. Um, but staying calm and like I used to have people that would choke in a cup if they needed to, mm -hmm. you know, like just give them a cup or something and then they can choke at the table and it's not like a big commotion thing right. because you don't necessarily like, like, uh, what's the word? Like, you're not like you're yakking like loudly or anything. Right. It's kind of like very quiet thing if you if you're relaxed about it because like it can happen and somebody doesn't even realize it's happening because right. you're real you're, you have to stay calm or else it it doesn't it won't go one way or the other so right. um just having a supportive moment you know give me a tissue give me something to throw up in and i'm <laughs> I'm yeah. okay. And then just move on with conversation, right? Yeah. Just exactly. Being out. It, will, it, it, it just happens and it won't, might happen. You know, I used to be fortunate where I could have a dilation and I'd be fine for a couple of years. But now I have a dilation and a month later, three months later, I'm still having incidents. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's, I have bad reflux and that aggravates it the stricture problems but then sometimes it's just I find too if I don't eat on a regular basis it causes my reflux to act up more so like mm -hmm. not eating regularly like three meals a day and like waiting six or seven or eight hours between meals that sometimes can accept my esophagus too yeah. and I'll have more problems so kind of like having snacks and stuff like I can help prevent against that's it that's interesting I, I hadn't thought of um I haven't thought of that for for Mia that's an interesting mm -hmm. tip to to keep yeah, keep thing. Yeah, keep eating and keep keep it open. Yeah, yeah. I, exactly, because keeping on the eating, it will help because it's a muscle, right? And it needs if you don't use it, it won't. It will just go right. It will shrink right back. It, it, you have to keep eating to help keeping it open. So I used to have a GI doctor that told me like to keep having like little snacks like all the time when I was little. And that would help keep it open, just, like, keep eating and just eat whatever you want. But just keep eating because that will help. Because sometimes, you know, with, with RGB, some people have to get um, G-tubes because mm -hmm. they have so much trouble swallowing that they need a way to get nutrition in that. Because nutrition is such an important part of your health in general, especially for wound care because... You can have an infection or, yeah, you can have an infection or a chronic wound and all your resources goes to that wound. So having proper nutrition is so 
important for your healing process um, overall. So it's it's a big it's a big part of your of 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 the battle with EB is having that proper nutrition and having those calories to help you heal and you know and, and making sure that you're getting enough iron you know so that because one of the struggles with our EBs being anemic and that affects your wound healing processes as well. I know some people find blood transfusions helpful. Um, for me, it's iron transfusions. Mm-hmm. Um, I find that they last a bit longer for me. Um, but yeah, it's many different little things that you can do to help, you know, with the overall health in general. Navalet, I have to say, um, you're just so knowledgeable. Jill and I are just kind of sitting here thinking like, well, when is Navalet going to write her book? Because you you just have so much uh, personal experience and history and knowledge. But, you, but you're so eloquent in your delivery as yeah. well. And yeah. I think that's what um, is really wonderful talking with you. Uh, you're very centered in yourself and um, it's been a wonderful conversation here today I um, I feel like Jill we even learned a lot about I learned a lot like I'm just sitting here kind of spinning with everything I learned and and you were answering my questions like before I'd even think of them sort of it would come up and I'd be like oh my goodness but I I always find speaking with you novelette like it's just I don't know how to describe it it's a lot of wisdom, right? Oh, so much wisdom. And, and you make me want to use better words. <laughs> <laughs> your, your education clearly shines through and your, your gift for writing. writing. Like it's yes. just, yeah, it's, it's like I'm overthinking what I'm saying because I'm like, oh, how do I say anything as well as novelette? <laughs> oh. It is. It is. Yeah. No, Navalette, you, you are very talented and, um, and you need to write a book and you should definitely consider it. You, you are multi-talented, but, uh, we just want to, want to thank you for shining some light on, um, more of the intricate, um, maybe challenges and, um, obstacles that are that arrive in uh, a person's life with RDEB and um, one of the points that Jill and I were really hoping you would express today which you did was share how to engage socially and ask questions that are um, done with respect and courtesy and and with love mm-hmm. um, and and to learn, right? Because you want to, yeah, like, exactly. Yeah, you you don't ever want to ask a question just out of nosiness or you know, it's it's asking about anything in life, right? When you're asking someone a question about something you don't understand, it's to educate yourself so that now you know better and know more. So I feel like that's been a great part of this conversation is just teaching people how to ask and how to know better, right? And be be, be better. Yeah, yeah, it's important for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, can I mention one more thing? Please do. About the uniqueness of RDD? Yes, please. Um, so, just on the topic of wound care and stuff, 
Um, when I was younger, my bandages used to take between like half an hour or an hour, and hour and a half. And as I got older, things continued to kind of get worse. More different areas became involved, and so the process took went from an hour to two hours to three hours, and now sometimes it's four hours. Um, that's a, a large chunk of time, depending, you know, if you have, like, a lot of different issues going on between infections or whatever, because each wound you have to treat differently. It needs different care. And sometimes, depending on the day, it might need different things. And so you have to be very particular in how you care for each wound. And that's a big chunk of my day, you know, when I do, I do dressings every other day. So I shower and do dressings. I feel sometimes I can take up my whole morning. And um, I feel like sometimes people think that I don't do anything for the day. I've had people tell me, oh, you don't really do much. And just taking care of myself to keep myself alive doing dressings takes up a big chunk of my day mm-hmm. and going to doctor's appointments, you know. So it's never good when someone tells you, oh, you don't do much, you know. You have to be considerate that sometimes, you know, if you're going out with somebody with RDV, they might need extra time because they have to do bandages or something like that. Just be um, mindful of that and know that it takes a lot for them to, you know, look fabulous and amazing. And it's it's, it's a lot involved, you know. I, I don't bath, I shower, but I know people that do, it can take a lot more time. It's painful getting dressings off and and so forth and and just caring for them uniquely if you have to do soaks or different things you know it can take a it can take a lot out of you dressing changes you know I've, I've known people who've had to be put to sleep just to do a dressing change oh, no. because it's been oh, so geez. extensive so it's it's a lot of our care is doing dressing changes for some people with RDV, not for everyone. Because some people, I for myself, like I don't have any wounds on my back or my trunk area, my chest or stomach. I don't have wounds there, but all my appendages are affected. Um, you know, and some people they do have their whole back is one big large wound or. They have wounds on their chest or both or their stomach and their hips and thighs and everywhere, even on their head, you know. So it's, it's a wound care is a big, extensive part sometimes. And sometimes people can do it independently by themselves, but sometimes you need help. I, I need help. I have nurses that come in to help me, you know, so... On the days that the nurses don't come in, my mom helps me. And that can be challenging. It can be a challenging relationship with your parent that does dressing change because it's not a fun time of the day. And you can be really crabby myself. I can be really crabby and irritable when I'm in pain and uncomfortable. 
And, you know, it can be a really challenging relationship sometimes because of that. Um, especially for me, I find as I get older and, and different things start happening that you're not used to and different areas become a problem that weren't, it's kind of really um, hard. And it makes you feel more debilitated and just more involved like when I was little I didn't have sores on my hands I didn't have sores on my right side I didn't have sores on my bottom on my upper arms and now they're some of my more problematic areas and um can take up a lot of the dressing change time and stuff so it's it's just an extensive it's a lot of it's a lot of time, dressing changes can be a lot and very extensive and it's a big part of our life and just to be mindful that just living each day takes a lot of effort and to, you know, dressing changes about wound health and just keeping your wounds healthy is important for keeping yourself alive and helping to prevent against infections and cancer and different things. So it's a big, important part. And and it takes a lot of effort and time out of your caregiver and yourself. So it should be recognized. Yeah, no, I'm really glad. You're you're absolutely right. I'm really glad you bring it up. You know, when you when you think about um, life and and Maslow's hierarchy, where we're worried about um, eating every day, having shelter, uh, taking care of your body is a, is a huge part. You you can't go out in the world and do anything else until you can take care of your body, your body's needs first. And so you're absolutely right. This is a big part of. Um, somebody's everyday life and when we interact with each other and we're we're changed and a lot of those uh wounds are hidden um the other person has no idea what that person standing in front of them has gone through to be there so i i think you're really apt to bring it up because um you know, I do forget that when I'm with you, Novelette. I'm not thinking about the four hours that it that it took you just to do your wound care mm-hmm. before we've been able to get together for lunch or whatever. And and so I am grateful you bring it up because um, that's a huge that's a huge part of the RDEB story. Mm-hmm. So I think it'll resonate with a lot of our community members and. Um, it's a, it's a big part of the discussion. So so thank you for making sure that we we give that topic its due. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thanks for listening. I appreciate it. Yeah, no, this is um a wealth of knowledge you are and um a really great discussion today. So I think shall we end it there? I think so. There's a, a lot to take from this conversation. Yeah. This has been um amazing actually. So thank you very much for your time today, Novelette. We look forward to seeing you again soon.